friend, what would you say if there was an expert in the Christian writing industry who's willing to show you the ropes? Someone who would tell you from her expertise what to do, what not to do, who would introduce you to other experts in the field, like other professional authors and agents, marketing people and editors, and would help you by answering whatever questions you have. Well, I am that person and I am so excited to share with you Write That Book. Write That Book is an online group where we connect together. There's experts every week who share behind the scenes of their writing lives and give tips through Facebook Lives. And we also have a forum where you can ask questions. It's only $24.95 a month and you are going to love this community. You can find out more information by just going to writethatbook.club. That's writethatbook.club. I would love to connect with you and help you write that book. You're listening to Walk It Out with Trisha Goyer, where we discover what it looks like to follow God and be swept away on the journey of a lifetime. Author of over 70 books, mom of 10, yes, 10, homeschooler and speaker, Trisha Goyer will explore what radical obedience to God's word looks like. It's time to hear from God lovers who've dared to say yes. Listen in to heart to heart chats and learn how others overcame doubts and fears. Discover how God used ordinary people to impact others one step at a time. If you're ready to get radical, get going, and make a difference in this world, you're at the right place. Here's your host, prolific writer, world traveler, people lover, and mega nap taker, Trisha Goyer. Well, friends, today on Walk It Out, we're going to be talking about motherhood, but in a way that I don't think I've ever talked about it before on my podcast. I think so many times we have these stressful standards that we don't even realize, or sometimes we do realize that we are trying to live up to. And today's author is going to talk about grace and truth and really understanding how God has made himself available to us in our motherhood. So let me tell you a little bit about our guest. Maggie Combs is the author of Motherhood Without the Rules, which we'll be talking about today. And she's also the author of the book Unsuper Mommy. She loves playing games with her husband and three sons, herding goats on her, their family farm, which is so fun, by the way, to look at on Instagram. And she loves reading young adult literature and mysteries in her free time. So welcome, Maggie. Thank you so much for having me. It's so great to have you and connect with you. And I am enjoying your book so much. And I know, you know, you talk about the beginning about finally when you started getting sleep, <laughs> then you started taking on so many of those, um, I guess, ideals of how a mother should be before realizing like, wait, this isn't working at all. So just tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, I had a really intense baby situation. I had three boys born in three years. Mm, that is intense. <laughs> that wasn't my plan. I just, but God had a better plan. Um, and that kind of prompted me to write my first book, which was really about embracing weakness and connecting to God's mm -hmm. power. And then I got past that really hard stage where you just never get any sleep and the kids are just always there all the time. And I I thought, you know, I really want to grow as a mom. And it really came from a good desire, right? To be, to grow in godliness, um, to be the best mom that I could. But then I did this 
kind of mixed up way of doing it, I started trying to sanctify myself with my own teeth grinding grit instead of relying on an active relationship with God. And I was adopting the society system of these standards for what motherhood should look like and how we should um, approach motherhood in a way that's healthy for us that really are become stressful standards because they don't right. follow God's path. Um, God's path is usually the opposite of the way the world thinks, right? And then I realized, I mean, no wonder this isn't working. I can't exhibit the fruit of the spirit in relating to my children without being in the spirit. I can't demonstrate the gospel to my children when I'm not living it myself. Yeah, it's so good. And I love and when you talk about that, you know, those standards and wanting to do things right and be godly. But I think so many times, like you were saying, we're trying to do it in our own strength. Um, not really listening like, hello, that's why the Holy Spirit is here. So he can do, you know, it's the fruit of the spirit. Those things come from him in our lives. But I think we want to do everything right. And I remember, you know, when I first got married, I was a teen mom. So I had my baby and then got married. And now I have this wonderful Christian husband who's, you know, loving me, loving my son. But then you get, okay, I got to do this. I got to do that. And sometimes we don't even realize how those things are impacting us and how we're trying to do them in our own strength. Yeah. You know, I didn't, as I was writing this book, I'd come up against something and be like, oh, wait, no, I, I still need to figure this out. Like I need to work this out with God. Like what is his gospel truth over this stressful standard? And I, I found myself uncovering more stressful standards that I was trying to live up to than I had even realized when I got the idea to write the book. Yeah, it's always in the process of the book. We're like, oh, I thought I was just going to help all these people. And God's like, wait, I have some stuff we need to work on first. It's very humbling. <laughs> yeah. So uh, one of the things I, I love, which you just mentioned, um, you know, we want to present the gospel to our children. And the best way we can do that is to be a representative of the gospel. But to do that, we must grow in our knowledge and our relationship with him. So what did that look like in your life is all these standards versus truth started coming out in your mind? You know, I think, um, well, first recognizing how essential it is to be mm -hmm. with God. I think we have this, even this is kind of a Christian community rule. It's like, oh, you know what? M moms just don't have time to do that. That's okay. That's just okay. And I get what we're trying to do. We're trying to relieve the burden of, the burden of legalistic um, just reading God's word because we have to check it off the list, you know, but we can't take away the relationship with God. And we do that through spending time in his word, through prayer, through the spiritual disciplines. And I think we actually sell moms kind of short when we do that too. Mm -hmm. it's if moms can get, if they can keep their children fed, if they can get them to all of their activities, if they can do distance learning school, and then also maybe they're working outside of the home and they're managing things at the house and they're paying bills and they're meeting with girlfriends and they're doing all this stuff. Can't we apply the same kind of creativity that we apply to that towards how we spend time with God? So yeah, it might not look like 30 minutes with a cup of hot coffee in the morning. Maybe it does like Sometimes it does look like getting up early before your kids are, but it might not look like that in your season either. And so I know like ever since distance learning started, it's like, I have to be careful how much earlier I get up than my kids or else I just, 
I'm too crabby for the rest right. of the day with them, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's like looking at your season and saying like, okay, how can I apply my own creativity that I apply all the time as a mom towards my relationship with God? Because it matters, like growing in him, knowing him, that is where all of the good other stuff I want to see in my life flows from. And so changing that perspective a little bit from like, it's just okay to not do quiet time to like, no, let's, how can we do it, ladies? Like, what's a good idea? Sharing with your friends, like, this is working for me in this season. Um, and being creative in how you do that. Yeah, that's so good. I think one key thing that you said, it's about the relationship and not just about the the activity. So not, you know, relationship over rules. We hear about that all the time. But I think so many times, like in our mind, in Western culture, in the United States, that is the 30 minutes of quiet time, the Bible reading, the devotional book, which when you travel outside the United States, like <laughs> I've worshiped with believers in Africa that I guarantee if I went around and talked to them, they did not have a 30 minute quiet time that morning with a devotional book and a cup of tea. You know what I mean? But they love God. And I, so many, you know, when we adopted, we adopted seven kids in like five years time. And I mean, it went from, I mean, I was able to manage life to I'm unable to manage life. And I love how you talk about being creative because prayer time for me sometimes was like when I'm folding laundry and praying for the kids as I was pulling out their clothes from the dryer. I mean, this morning I was tired. We had a, you know, had a long week and I, I usually get up and have my tea and my Bible and I just laid in bed and thought through scriptures that God had been speaking to my heart that week and praying. Like, you know, it doesn't have to be exactly how, you know, people think it needs to be like with the exactly how you know, it looks on the Instagram, couch. right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's about the relationship. It's about talking to Jesus and inviting him into your day, listening and letting him speak to your heart. It's so important. I think we, and I love, that's why I love your, your book, uh, motherhood without the rules. It's like, we are so focused on the rules that we miss out on so much. Yeah. I think, you know, it's like that way is actually better than mm -hmm. just, even if you're doing the 30 minutes of quiet time, like in the morning, that's not the only time you want to meet with God. Like, do you just like, do you do that with your husband? You just like, well, hi, well, see you in the morning. <laughs> we'll talk to him again until the next morning or something, right? Like, how do we treat real relationships? We're checking in or your best girlfriend, like you might be texting with her throughout the day. So like putting, um, putting ways to meet God, actually attaching to them to some of the natural rhythms of life, like doing your laundry or even brushing your teeth or those kinds of things can help us be in touch with God throughout the day because we are so prone to forget what we've done in mm -hmm. the morning. We're so prone to forget God. I, I need to remind myself that God is there and of his truth over and over and over throughout every day. Yeah, and it really is as we go through and, and connect with him and read his truth, and that's what you talk about, like all these stressful standards, actually the gospel truth is completely opposite, but mm -hmm. it's because you were in the word and you were like reading these things and like, wait, okay, I see things differently and I can see that this is a standard that's from the world and not from God's word, but we don't get that unless we are reading God's word. And, you know, we're not just waiting to hear a sermon on Sunday or whatever, um, but we are we are interacting, we're reading it, we're thinking about it, we're you know praying about God's word. I mean, that makes a difference. And that's why you, like you did in the book, we can look and say, okay, is this something that's a, something from God or is it a standard that doesn't even 
you know, just brings a burden on us as people, as God, you know, God's people, um, as we try to follow these things. Yeah, and that's why at the end of every chapter in the book, I've included a little PS for women who want to go deeper that's encouraging them to check, to dive into a section of scripture and giving them an idea of what to study there so they mm-hmm. can take it one step further and really see God's word in action in their life instead of just hearing from me because I don't have all the wisdom. Only God does. Right. And God's will apply, you know, whatever wisdom you shared, but he'll apply it to their lives specifically as yeah. they read his word. So let's talk about these standards. Um, and let's just start with the um, everything depends on you. Cause as I'm reading this, I'm like, Oh my goodness. I mean, I think especially when we have young kids, we totally believe that. Um, so talk about that stressful standard and then the gospel truth that God is the best parent. Yeah, I remember the first night in the hospital with my little baby, my first son, and he like, I never had this with any of my other kids, but he did this thing where he was like coughing up amniotic fluid all night the first night. And I like, wow, call the nurse and she's like, oh, it's okay. Just like take this, you know, those blue things that you suck the boogers out with. Just take that and just clean out his mouth whenever he needs it. And I'm like, okay, so like every 15 (laughs) minutes. (laughs) of my first night's motherhood he's like choking and I'm like cleaning out his mouth and I remember thinking in that moment the life of this child depends upon me and I just strapped that burden onto myself and then I've seen it throughout um throughout my boys growing up how I've added there's new stages there's different standards right like well it's like what what kind of food are you feeding them is it organic like what's what activities are you going to do? No activities. Are you going to go all in on active after school activities, all these things. And it feels like if you don't make the right choice, you're going to ruin your kids. That's basically, yeah, yeah. you're going to have to go do so much counseling because you, you know, didn't put them into that sport they wanted to be into or whatever, but we just really carry this burden around. And sometimes we kind of like it. We're like, yeah, do you see those children over there? I keep them alive, right? It can be a point of pride to us too. It all depends upon me or on bad days. It's like, ugh, why does it always come back to me? And it's like, why is it me, not my husband even, you know? And um, God tells us instead of everything depending upon us, that he is the best parent. He's actually the perfect parent to our children. And he's the perfect parent to us as we parent our children. And he's actually the one in charge. He is sovereign over the, their lives. And the funny thing about the way God does stuff is as moms, we kind of want to plow the way, make it easy for the kids. But God actually uses those hard things. And so, yeah, walking on God's path might look a lot harder than we would want it to look for our children or for ourselves. But God uses those moments to draw our kids to him and to show them that he is their father and he loves them and he's going to care for them throughout this struggle. And then the same with us, like when we're having a hard motherhood day, God is our perfect parent. We have Mm -hmm. a heavenly father. It doesn't all depend upon us. We can look to our father and say, look, I need help here. I'm at the end of my rope and know that he is always going to meet our needs. And I think sometimes in our efforts, and you, you talk about this too, in our efforts to like make our kids' lives easy, we make it too easy where they don't need God. <laughs> like they don't need to depend on him. Um, one, of, one of the things you say is, how can our children experience the ministry of relying on God's strength when they've never been allowed to experience weakness or difficulty? And that is so good. Yeah, I mean, 
<laughs> nobody wants that for their kids. Nobody wants it for themselves. But in, I think especially in American Christianity, it's like, well, just make it as easy as possible. Um, but that's not what biblical Christianity looks like. Paul talks over and again about hardship and how God met him in hardship and carried him through that. And God actually is loving enough to discipline us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as moms, we know that discipline is not just like anger induced punishment. Discipline is redirecting us for our good because God, God's not going to give us everything that we want and make our life perfectly easy because then we would have no need of him. And it's the same for our children. We have to let them see their need for God. And then our job is just to shepherd them like when they're having a struggle, say like, okay, how can God meet this need? Where is God here? And help help give them, you know, glasses to look at the world and see what God is doing in the background. Yeah, that is so good. And you, I love the story you talk about where um, your son actually went to the water. He forgot he didn't have his life jacket on. And, um, you know, running to him, you told him, you know, God is watching over you. And he told me to look up and here I am coming to you. You know, he gave me the strength. And I thought that is so good about pointing our kids to God. Cause I think so many times, like, look at the food I cooked you, look at the, you were in those clothes cause I washed them. But instead, you know, say, wow, God provided these clothes or, you know, and we do say our grace, you know, at dinner, but sometimes it becomes so rote and routine instead of, you know, just really thinking of like, I'm so thankful for the job that provided this food that God gave us. And um, I love just turning those everyday moments and and making our kids realize that it is it is all because of God that we have what we have. Yeah, the world tells us to build our own kingdoms, right? That our lives are all about us. And when we buy into that, we can create a little kingdom of mom. Like, I'm in mm-hmm. charge here. Everything depends upon me. So I'm going to always remain in control. And then anything good that happens, I probably did that for you. You know, we actually set ourselves up as little gods or little in our children's lives or little queens of their kingdom instead of setting God up as the king of the kingdom, right? And how do, how um, opening their eyes to how God's kingdom works instead of making it all about how our kingdom works for our comfort and pleasure and our glory. Yeah, that is so good because they do grow up and they do leave and your kingdom, <laughs> you're, you know, they're not always going to be like, well, we don't want them to be, you know, turning to mom for everything. They need to learn to stand on their feet and depend on God and turn to him. And the thing is that I have adult kids as well as, I mean, my oldest is 31. My youngest is 10. So we have a wide range. But um, in life, they are going to face hardships and hard, hard things. Our oldest son, his uh, first wife left him. I mean, and she was, you know, not de- determined not to get reconciled and we did lots of prayer and we, we still love her to this day, but we hate that he had to go through that. But he, yes, he came, came to us to talk to us and um, would often be here for dinner and, you know, he had kids. We helped them as we could then, but he also leaned on God and he also turned to him and um, one day he... Uh, came with a tattoo and I'm like oh my goodness you know I don't know what I think about this tattoo but it says overcomer and he's like this is you know he told me the scripture where it came from and God has made him an overcomer and to hear him like talk about God and how God has been his strength and how God has made him be an overcomer through him I'm like you could put all the tattoos if you have that's what it's about um because life is hard 
And if we're just trying to make it way too easy in our kids, they're not going to learn to turn to God and depend on him when life gets hard in the future. Yeah, I mean, it, the Bible says, like, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he gets older, he won't depart. I can't, you know, that's a paraphrase. Yes, but, we got it. We got it. <laughs> you know what verse I'm talking about. And that doesn't mean, like, teach them all the rules to obey. That's not the point. The point is the way they should go is the way following Christ, walking with Christ. And then when they grow older, they won't depart from walking in Christ because they've mm. that modeled for them. Yeah. So good. Okay. So there's so, oh, there's so many things we could talk about. Um, some of the standards, I want to go through these real quick. The stressful standard is be more than just a mom. And the gospel truth is find your life by losing it. Um, another stressful standard is you're not supposed to be your kid's friend. The gospel truth is your children are your nearest neighbors. And just me reading that, I'm like, oh my goodness, that is so good. But I mean, there's so many things you talk about, but instead of me picking, like what was the one, I guess, stressful standard and gospel truth as you're going through the book that really you feel really ministered to your heart the most? I think the one that I learned the most in it is, the um, you do you is the stressful standard. And then the gospel truth is to discover freedom through repentance. Mm. Because, there, you know, there, I start out that chapter talking about mom shame. It, mom shame is like a pandemic in our world, right? Every mom experiences this shame. And we, we usually look to the outside and we say like, well, that person shamed me or that that person um, made me feel that shame. But I think the scariest part about it is that it usually happens deep in our hearts too, that we, um, we look at ourselves when we've had a bad day and we say like, man, am I just a total failure at this? Mm. Does my work have any value? And if it doesn't, do I have any value? And then those thoughts, they sound really extreme and they're spoken out loud, but they really find a place to thrive and grow in a mom's mind. And so then the world just tells us like, don't be ashamed because the best thing you can be is just yourself. Just be your most authentic self. And then that's the best thing you could be. But that actually cements our shame because it makes, mm -hmm. it makes our failures part of who we are. And then there's nothing we can do about it. But the good news of God's grace is a shame changer. It says, if you're a Christian, Jesus died on the cross for your sin. His righteousness covers your sin before the eyes of God, which means your guilt no longer determines your identity. And from that place of acceptance, you find freedom to repent of your sin. Say, I, don't, I see this thing in my life and I don't like it, Lord. Help me to turn from it. And then you can cling to the work of Christ, knowing that you are already accepted. You are already free. Um, but then you still have to, there's some work that has to be done too, right? It's, it's a, um, that's part of the point of the book too, is that it's not that we don't work because God right. does stuff, but we work through the power of Christ working in us so that it's clinging to the gospel. It's clinging to relationship with God. Um, but then finding true freedom by repenting because Jesus died for that sin. He died so that you don't have to live in bondage to it anymore. Um, instead of making it part of your identity, it's part of the old self that you've put off and you are a new creation in Christ. Yeah. Cause you know, if there is something <clears throat> that we feel like it's bringing us shame. Um, it, and I, I never thought about that before. We think, well, that's just who I am. 
like, well, I raise my voice on my kids. I cuss a little, I don't know, whatever <laughs> things it is. But really, it does go back to looking at our heart and what do we need to repent before God? Yeah. And then, so that writing this chapter really um, changed my spiritual walk in that I started to make a practice of trying to come before God in repentance daily and even repent of smaller things, I would have been like, well, I can just fix that on my own. Look, we can't fix it on our own. (laughs) That's the whole point. And so it's like repentance. uh, Nobody wants to talk about that, you know, Um, but repentance is actually, we talk a lot about like preaching the gospel to ourselves, but repentance is the first part. It's like, wow, I failed here. Oh, God redeems it. Like, He can redeem my imperfect motherhood. He can change my life. So I no longer have to be trying to force myself to be a good mom. I can actually grow in Christ into a godly mom. Oh, I love that so much. And uh, one of the quotes I just saw on your Instagram was, God does not offer us grace because of who we are, but because of who he is. And um, just yesterday, I was reading about the prodigal son again, and just thinking of myself and all the times I just want to leave. And I don't want to think about God because, you know, I'm doing what I want to do. But, you know, whenever I come, he comes running. And I was listening to that song, I mean, old, old song, um, God, when God ran and just thinking of the grace and the compassion of God, like, we don't need to get our act together to, um, you know, clean up to do anything like when we come to him, he is there for us and he offers us that grace and he wants to take away that shame. And I think so many times it is our pride that keeps us like, oh, like you were saying, I can handle this myself. I could fix it up, you know, whatever. I can make it seem not so bad. <laughs> you know, and, and instead God's like, just come to me. I'm here for you. I want to offer grace and compassion to you. Yeah. And I really encourage moms. Um, they're really struggling to study Again, open up God's word and study God's faithfulness because he's not faithful because the Israelites are faithful or because these disciples are such great guys or anything like that. He is faithful because he is faithful, not based upon Mm. anything we do. And I think um, learning to take note in the scriptures of God's faithfulness and really get to see it and let it sink deep into you. And then you start taking note of God's faithfulness in your own life. Like, oh, that you see that hard thing and you're prone to want to be really anxious or um, even get angry that it's coming. You didn't want that hard thing, but instead you can say, okay, I'm going to stop looking at that circumstance and I'm going to look to the faithfulness of God who's been faithful all throughout the scriptures and he's been faithful all throughout my life and I can track that. And now I know that he will be faithful in this thing too. Yeah, it's so good. And I mentioned, we've mentioned the stressful um, standards and the gospel truth. And then the third part, like you've talked about the the last part of each chapter is that practice of holiness. Um, It is looking in the Bible and reading and seeing, you know, how Jesus relates to people and what he asks us to do. And it's not just saying, okay, well, this is what God expects, but you're good. It's like, well, let's, let's try to do these things, to draw closer to him, to, um, you know, renew our minds. I mean, it's so helpful to, to have these, the, what you've written, these um, steps that we can take because it, it makes a difference in our daily walk. For example, um, under the a practice of holiness and effort, you know, you talk about utilizing Bible study techniques that fit your season, but also, you know, read one Psalm when you wake up, study one chapter at a time in depth, read lots of chapters quickly, uh, memorize and meditate. I mean, there's so many different ways, but 
you're giving people tools that they can use in their everyday lives. And I love that. I really like believe in practicality because I often read books and I go like, well, but what do I do now? <laughs> right, exactly. There's a, that's some good thoughts, but yeah. Well, yeah. So I try to give people some practical steps to take because we are working. Like we're not just sitting back and letting go and letting God, right? We are working um, as he works within us and that um, God is not through with us. Like we even, no matter how many times we fail, like he will keep saying, if we are in Christ, he will keep sanctifying us. And so how can we, work with him in that process. And so I really tried to um, give some practical steps. And so uh, maybe a year and a half ago, my boys started Taekwondo and my youngest son would not do it without me because it's like, and it was a family membership thing. So I was like, oh no. So I started doing Taekwondo, right? (laughs) And um, our master would say, um, practice makes, and then we were all supposed to respond back and we'd all say, perfect, you know, like we've been taught and he'd go, no practice makes habits. And so, um, that was one of the concepts I wanted to weave throughout that we are practicing our faith, even in the easy seasons, right? That's a good time to do some practice do some work in it. And then when the hard times come, what do we have? We have a habit of responding to God. Oh, that is so good. I love that so much. All right. I do want to bring back, because I th- I mentioned earlier that this one, I'm like, this made me sit up a little bit. Um, the stressful standard is you're not supposed to be your kid's friend. And the gospel truth is your children are your nearest neighbors. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. I was doing something the other day and I read this chapter again and I was like, oh, this is hard for me. <laughs> this is still hard <laughs> for me. Um, when I'm in this, you know, doing doing distance learning at home, it's been really hard to, to treat my children um, like my neighbor in this mm-hmm. experience. And I share in the book about just this feeling of this anger that I was having towards one of my sons about getting out the door to go to school. Obviously it was back when we, when we left for school and I realized two things that our kids disobedience can feel is really hard because it's perpetual, right? It happens over and over and over again. It's not hard to give grace or respond in forgiveness the first time, but the 577th time is a lot more challenging. Um, And then it's also can feel personal, right? It feels like they're, they, you know, you, you're telling them something and they just keep playing. They pretend they don't hear you, but they're literally one foot away from you. You know, they can hear you. And so you just feel like this is against me. Um, Sometimes kids can even insult their moms or call them names or withhold their love from their parents or, and then be like the sweetest little kid ever to the grandparents. Right. And you just feel like, yeah. is there something wrong with me? Um, and when we're in the face of that, I think that I, I really struggle to offer forgiveness, forgiveness to my children. It's so much harder when it's happening over and over or when it feels personal. Um, And sometimes I withhold my forgiveness because I want to be in control. I want to be in control. And if they're not going to obey me, then that's one way that I can maintain control. 
Or sometimes I want to shift the blame, right? I want to be like, well, if you would just obey, then I could be nice. <laughs> right. Um, or sometimes even I might want to punish them with kind of an icy attitude. Um, or if something happen bad happens as a result of their disobedience, well, now you know what it feels like, right? Now, <laughs> or I can try to protect myself because sometimes a child will say they're sorry a hundred times over and over and over. They're really quick to say they're sorry, but they never actually make any changes to their actions. And so mm -hmm. you feel like I have to protect myself. And all of these responses are really about maintaining my own kingdom and my own comfort. Um, and God has a different plan than any of that. And it, it, it comes from him. And so instead of, you know, we talk about like the love of the mother is the most important, the best love in the world, right? No. In fact, I have a really hard time extending love to my children sometimes. Mm -hmm. So in John 15, that's the chapter where the, we talk about abiding in Christ, remaining with him. So what we've been talking about, right? Staying in touch with God throughout your day, staying close to him and near to him. In that same chapter, it says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. So when you actually, instead of focusing on finding in the depths of your soul, your own ability to love your children, but instead you focus on remaining in the love of Christ, remembering what that feels like. I mean, Christ literally laid down his life for us. And when we can remember that, it doesn't become easy to offer the same to our children, but it becomes possible and it becomes a means of grace within you and a working out of the Holy Spirit instead of something done by your own ability. And so I really encourage the practice of holiness in that chapter is unconditional love, but it only happens when we're walking in the unconditional love of our Savior every day. Absolutely. Um, and I love the practical um steps you have here in the first one I'm like oh yes I think I, I see this so much and I've struggled with this is make allowances for immaturity um you know they're kids and even when you have teenagers who have adult bodies you know I mean my husband will tell me like okay I'll be so upset about something and he'll say well you know her brain isn't fully developed yet and I'm like but she should know better or whatever <laughs> we expect them to be mature and to have the same responses and um, all those things. And I think it is so important to remember like kids are immature, even though even teenagers, even if they look grown, um, they don't have the wisdom. They don't have the, you know, the years of learning that we do. And it sometimes is hard on them. And then the second one was um, process the problem with God. And I love this. If you immediately go to your friends for help, you miss out the opportunity to hear from God. And oh my goodness, yeah, I have friends like, you won't believe what this child did today. And I'm like, ooh, that just got me right there. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, and say you're sorry. And um, perfect parenting moments are few and far between. And just let like you talk about, you know, even going to our kids and apologizing. And I've noticed when I want to change something, if I will apologize, then I'm like, it'll stop me from actually like doing it. Like, you know, raising my voice or grumbling at my kids. If I have, if I make a habit of going and apologizing afterwards, I'll hold my tongue a lot more because I don't like having to go apologize. Um, so I love, again, how you just have these very practical steps that apply these gospel truths um, in our everyday lives. 
Yeah, I even have a friend who takes that apology one step further and now I'm like, okay, I want to start implementing this practice. Oh, wait, I don't know if I want to hear it. No, just... <laughs> no go ahead. Are you ready? <laughs> actually says to her and her, her kids are little. She says, um, would you stop and pray with mommy? Mommy needs to pray and repent before God of mm. the way he towards you. And so she's modeling repentance to her children in that process too. Um, and I thought, wow, that is really powerful. Okay. Yeah. I knew, I knew it'd give, <laughs> I knew it'd make me feel guilty and have something to work on, but in a good way, like, okay, <laughs> I, that is really good. <laughs> oh, such good things. And what I love just even about our conversation today, like you and I, like this is the first time we've ever talked, but it's such relatable things about God, how God is working in our lives. And um, I just love that you're able to put these in a book and share it with other moms. And it's not like you're saying, I do it perfectly. And these are how you can do it perfectly too. But I love that you just share from the realness of your lives and the truth God has put on your heart. And I think that is going to impact a lot of people. So I just appreciate that. Thank you. You know, I always tried to dig down into the heart in my books because I do this so imperfectly. I can't give you like the five steps to be the perfect parent or something. All I can say is this is how I look to God. And I just feel like I've um, gotten to experience that with you today, just to talk about how we look to God. And I've been so encouraged to talk with you. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I've loved this conversation too. And I know my listeners have. Um, so Maggie, where can people go to just connect with you and find more information about the book? Um, well, I have my website, maggiecombs.com, um, or I'm most active on Instagram, which is just at Maggie underscore underscore combs, which is ridiculous, but there were too many of me. But if you just type in Maggie Combs, <laughs> I'm going to show up at the top of the list. So you'll find me. It'll be okay. Um, and on Facebook at, at Maggie Combs Author. And we'll make sure and get all those links in the show notes. But thank you so much for being here. Again, the book is Motherhood Without All the Rules. Um, I have been encouraged by it. I know other moms will too. So thank you, Maggie. Thanks for having me. Okay, one of the things I love about this podcast is in the middle of my very ordinary days, I'm able to sit down and have wonderful conversations and maybe talk about things that I've kind of been thinking about, but really haven't been able to verbalize it with a friend. And that's why I just love this conversation with Maggie. I love how she just reminded us that we will mess up uh, and we will uh, have kids that will mess up, but all of it goes back to grace. And I just think about um, how I am as a mom now compared to how I was 20 years ago. I've been doing this active parenting thing for 31 years. Um, my oldest is 31. My youngest is 10. So I guess God has really needed me to get these truths on my heart because uh, they keep going over and over again as I'm dealing and raising these kids. I shouldn't say dealing with them, but raising these kids. And I was just thinking about this the other day, how it's actually much easier um, parenting because I'm... I guess when you get older, you realize what things work, what things don't work. Now I'm 49 and I've learned a lot of things. It's not that my kids have gotten any easier. In fact, the kids that I am parenting now are so much more challenging in so many ways. We have a lot of special needs. Um, 
we have trauma in their background that leads to some behavior things, but it's easier because I've learned grace in my life and in their lives. So after 20 years, I understand God's grace. It's not about the things I do and that I don't do, but it's about who he is when I can look to him and realize that he offers me grace, even in all the ways that I mess up. I have more grace for myself because I know that I'm human. I know that I will make mistakes as a parent and as a person. I've also learned in these 20 years not to compare my weaknesses to the strengths of other moms. I would always think, oh my goodness, she does this perfectly. And I wish I could do that. And look at her. She cooks these amazing gourmet meals with everything fresh. And this person sews clothes for her kids. And this person does artwork or all whatever things. I would always feel like I was inferior. And I think over the years, I've really found freedom, first of all, in my messy house and not getting everything done because I feel like I've realized like I need to do what God has asked me to do and I can celebrate what God has asked these other moms to do. Also, parenting has become easier because I draw close to God and I come to him when I feel weak. And that is a lot. <laughs> that is often. But God is is the perfect parent to us and our kids. And that is something that Maggie said in this episode that I loved and underlined and wrote down uh, while she was talking. God is the perfect parent for us and our kids. He can do good work even in the midst of our mistakes and our kids' mistakes. I also loved how Maggie talked about, um, you know, we try to keep our kids out of trouble and you know, bringing problems or having them go through problems in their lives, but it's actually those things that draw them to God. And I think of my teen pregnancy, it was getting to the lowest low, feeling abandoned uh, by my boyfriend, by my friends, being overwhelmed with the thought of being a mom at 17, that I turned to God. Not that I want my kids to make wrong choices and to, um, to go with go through hardship, but I know when they do make hard choices because every or bad choices because every one of my kids at some time in their life has made a wrong choice um, that during those times God can use those times for him and I think when I first had kids as a young mom you know I would want them to be talented and beautiful and have an easy life and now I see that it's not the easy life that I should be praying for but that God would use them in ways that he has planned even before they were born um, for God and for his kingdom. And it made me think of actually a Bible story I was reading with my kids today during homeschool, and it was The Rich Man and Lazarus. Um, and it's found in, I'm not going to read every verse, but I will sum it up for you. So I would love for you to go back and read this, but it's in Luke 16, 19 through 31. So Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31, and it's a parable um, that Jesus told. Jesus told a lot of stories, and they were always stories that really had a deeper meaning. And he talked about a, a rich man who had everything, dressed in fine linen and lived in luxury every day. And then there was a, at his gate, a beggar named Lazarus. Now, this isn't the same uh, Lazarus that was raised from the dead. This is uh, the name of the beggar, so just to clarify that. And Lazarus was covered with sores. He longed to eat what that fell from the rich man's table. So he wanted table scraps. Um, and even the dogs came and licked his stores. So I, I, I you know, told the kids, 
I'm sure the dogs wanted scraps. Lazarus wanted scraps and they're all together wanting scraps. And here is this poor man with sores and the dogs are licking his sores. So it came to the time when Lazarus the beggar died and went to heaven. And then the rich man also died. And the rich man went to Hades where it says in Hades where he was in torment. And he looked up and saw Abraham speaking of Abraham, Father Abraham from the Bible, with Lazarus by his side. And he called to him and said, Father Abraham, have pity on me and sent Lazarus to dip his the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony. And Abraham said, remember in your lifetime, you received all the good things and Lazarus received bad things, but now he's comforted and you're in agony. Um, and it goes on and, you know, uh, the rich man says, well, send someone back to warn my family um, or send me back so I could warn them. And it ends Jesus in this parable by saying, if they did not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead, which just shows I talked to the kids about. It just shows that some people have hard hearts and Jesus did come back from the dead and some people choose not to believe. But the whole thing I was talking to the kids about today when I was talking about this is the same thing that Maggie was talking about in this episode is that those who have comfort and ease and luxury here on earth, but they don't have God, they lose all that. They can't take that with them into heaven. Um, in fact, many of them will not get to heaven. But those who maybe have nothing but lean on and trust in God will have, first of all, be in God's presence, but then have the joy of the kingdom of heaven. And it just makes me think back again to what Maggie was saying about sometimes it is the hard things, whether we're going through them or our kids are going through them, that will lead us to God. And I would rather have hard stuff in life that point us to God than all the things I had thought I wanted for my kids, the talent, the beauty, the luxury that will keep them far away from God. So that's just my very long rambling <laughs> conclusion to what uh, Maggie was saying. Um, but all that to say, this is an amazing topic. This would be a great book, Motherhood Without All the Rules, to do with a book club or just even talk through with some friends on Facebook, because again, we need these conversations. We need to really think about these things and how they can impact our lives and our thoughts, how they impact our parenting and how our thoughts impact our kids and these, you know, worries that we had and these rules that are on your mind that don't even make sense. Um, we need to think about these things and talk about them so that we can realize like, wait, I don't need to feel like I am a horrible mom. Instead, I can really focus on turning to God and reminding my kids that God is a good parent. Um, another quote from Maggie is, I need God because he is strong, patient, and wise, and my needs are never too big for his grace. So that is just my encouragement as we uh, think about all these things today. And today's Walk It Out verse is Ephesians 5.1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And I just love that, that we can be imitators because of what Christ did for us. Christ gave himself up for us so that we can be imitators by allowing him to be in us and flow through us and let his love flow through us um, to our family so we can imitate him. 
And again, that's Ephesians 5, 1. So let me just pray for us. Lord, first of all, I just thank you for Maggie. I thank you for just her vulnerability writing uh, Motherhood Without the Rules and how she just reminds us that it's not about these rules that we make up. We need to do this and do that. And this is a good parent. This is a bad parent. But instead, all of us will make mistakes and all of us need to turn to God and accept his grace. Um, Jesus, she's, we know that you did not die for these ideals, but you died for our hearts and our um, minds and to give us freedom. So I thank you, Lord, for that so much. I pray a blessing over Maggie and her family and this book that you will continue to use her for your glory. And I pray for every listener out there. I pray for those listeners, whether they're parents or grandparents or friends or um, just dealing with any relationships in our lives where we Uh, feel like we are not good enough. We're not doing enough that first of all, you'll help by pointing out areas where we can improve. And I know um, when we are faithful and we seek you and ask you to show us that you are so faithful in doing that. Uh, But also Lord, show us where we need to have grace and to realize that um, it's not about getting everything right, but it's about turning to you and pointing our kids to you and help us all to do that more faithfully. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in to Walk It Out. I love that you can join me, um, hear these conversations that I have with these amazing guests. And I hope that this is an encouragement to you. I'd love for you just to comment on social media posts, whether it's Instagram or Facebook, and say, wow, that really meant something. I would love to hear your thoughts on the conversation. Uh, Maybe share a favorite quote or some insight that you got from this podcast. That would be amazing. Uh, But also connect with me on Facebook, connect with me on Instagram. Um, Let me know what you love about this podcast and maybe even some guests who you would love to have me interview. That'd be fun to hear from you. And always, you can share this with your friend. Just have them search for Trisha Goyer, walk it out on their favorite podcast app, or go to iTunes, or you can always find links to everything at walkitoutpodcast.com. Now on those pages, we have what I call show notes. It's basically a little insight, something that I'm thinking about, about this topic. Um, information about the guests. Sometimes we have some giveaways there. And there's also wonderful graphics with quotes from the episodes um, and from the guests that you can share. So there's little buttons that you can share those things on Facebook and on Pinterest. But what I love is that if something encourages you and inspires you, don't stop there. Share it with a friend because you never know how they will be encouraged and inspired too. Well, thank you, friend, so much for tuning in today and have a great week. Thanks for listening to Walk It Out. Head over to the show notes for this podcast and all past episodes at www.walkitoutpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with someone you know who can make a radical difference in the world. We love new friends. See you next time.